Well, you have to be fearless in business, right? If you're going to go in business and you're afraid of what's going to happen, then maybe you should not be in business. There's a host of influencers out there, lots of them. Some are, how can I put it, some are fantastically ordered towards self-promotion. <laughs> Let me just, you know, state it as clearly as that. As a matter of fact, I think, in my opinion, it's getting kind of overwhelmed with those that are promoting themselves. And look, that's that's okay by me. You know, that's a good way. I, I'm all for that. I'm all for promoting what you're capable of doing. There's others, however, that I kind of find truly influential that are exercising their trade and inviting people in to demonstrate how how that happens. In other words, they are not trying to gather an audience for the sake of building an audience, but to invite the audience to observe what they're doing. And that's what my guest today is all about. His name is Joel Kamm. And he has been on the scene for quite some time. He has done quite a bit. He's written probably 15 plus books. He was a radio personality once upon a time. Early on in the dawn of the internet, he capitalized on the new technology building a site, I believe it was called World Village. Uh, another one, uh, deal of the day.com, he created. He's uh, wrote a book on Google AdWords, again, early in the life of Google AdWords, called The AdSense Code. And recently, he's got the most popular podcast on cryptocurrency called the Bad Cryptocurrency Podcast. And I, he talks about it today in this discussion. And I was tempted to, matter of fact, when I did this episode with Joel, my intent was to go down this whole framed episode thing that I've been doing lately. And I, you know, when I listened back to it again, I was like, this, this entire conversation is fantastic. I really valued it. I valued his opinion. I valued his uh, transparency, his sincerity, his fearlessness over giving his opinion out. He doesn't, you know, he's not afraid. He doesn't pull any punches. He lets you know where he thinks and how he stands. And I, I like to think, and again, you be the judge. Uh, listen to the, the episode and tell me what you think. But I like to think I pulled some a unique kind of chat with him out because I follow him. I, I've listened to a lot of his stuff, and I hadn't heard this level of... Um, What's the right word that I'm looking for? Just not not uh, sincerity isn't the right word, but I guess it maybe it was self-serving. You know, again, you'll be the judge because I was curious to know a lot of the things that we discussed, curious to get his opinions, and I think I captured that for myself. I hope, and my always my hope, that you find value out of it as well. So with no further ado, we're going to jump right into the conversation where Joel begins talking about the... Um, the reality of mediocrity and how we ought to fight against that to truly differentiate and innovate. Here is my conversation with Joel Kahn. You know, I think uh, there's always a bell curve, right? You've always got people that um, fall in the middle. The middle is where the majority are. They are afraid to step outside the boundaries either way. They want to know what's tried and true, what's been tested, what's worked for others, and then they want to find ways to apply that to uh, to their own marketing. I think the but those are never the people who make noise. Yeah, sure, they might have some success. 
but they might have some failures that you'll never hear about either. But they're never going to be the Steve Jobses of the world, right? They're never going to be the true innovators that really make a difference. Uh, and it's the ones that are willing to step outside and and not ask, well, what's working for somebody else? Um, you know, that's I don't look to what others are doing. Mm-hmm. I look to what I want to do. I want to make sure that I'm not copying what somebody else is doing and just putting my own twist on it. I want to do something that nobody's done before, or at least not in the way that I want to do it. And that means that um, many times you're going to fail, but it also means every now and then you're going to hit the home runs. And that's really what you're going for is um, is getting on base and, and getting the home runs. So I've never been a fan of mediocrity. Figure if you're going if you're a creative type, then create, do something different. And I guess therein lies kind of my thought about it, right? And I, and I is that every I see more and more settling for mediocrity and 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 claiming that mediocrity is the goal, right? Like I see the same old. We're things. Not aiming very high, are we? Well, yeah, right. I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, do you think that that's a that's a not a problem isn't the right word, but do you think it's a deception that we're all that many are fooling themselves into using whatever the latest platform is and copying whoever else succeeded into thinking we are being innovative and we are being, uh, you know, disruptors. I don't see how that could be classified as innovative or disrupting anything. Um, sounds like same old, same old. Yeah, but do you see do you see that as, as something that's happening today? In other words, do you? I think it's always happening through all, through all of human history. The the bell curve of mediocrity has always been there, though the in really it, more than uh, more than not, people settle for mediocrity. They're afraid to take risks, you know, especially if it's a job, right? If you're working for somebody, it's much easier to play it safe and keep your your job and your benefits than to take a risk. Uh, you know, that could mean you could lose your job, you could lose your benefits. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's not the world that I live in. Uh, but a lot of people do. And I don't think it's ever been different. I think, you know, technology changes, but human nature never changes. Mm. You're always doing new things, right? I know just from following you that you're always on. You're always jumping on whatever the latest uh, live video um, option is, right? So, well, sometimes, but not just that. I don't, I don't know if you've seen my latest obsession, but it has nothing to do with live video, nothing to do with internet marketing or social media. Um, two we uh, after studying an industry for a couple months, which is the cryptocurrency market, I started uh, a podcast. I have, yeah with uh, Travis Wright just two weeks ago and it's going wonderfully like we are we're picking up listeners left and right so I am using my broadcast skills and that which I've learned from podcasting but talking about a topic that's completely outside my known wheelhouse and uh, that's that to me is the most exciting part of what I do and the pivots that I make. Now, you know, it's funny that you say it. I did mention that because I remember it came across my Facebook feed. I'm like, what the hell is that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I, but I, what, and that gets your attention, doesn't it? Because, you know, there's a lot of peers that I have that you know what to expect from them. And you know when you see a post and they're talking about something that they're doing that it's tied to something they've always done. And that's fine. If that's their jam, then great. Go for it. You, you don't know to expect that with me. There's every few years there's 
there's a, a new interest that I just delve deep into. And usually when I do, I end up there before others and I begin mastering it. And then people want to know what I know. That is the pattern that has repeated itself again and again in my 22 years of online business. Well, a lot of your, a lot of your books are kind of oriented around that very idea, right? I mean, I remember yeah. your Twitter book was early on in the Twitter life cycle, wasn't it? It was. Um, I got invited to do Twitter Power in 2008, and at that time I had 5,000 followers, and that was a lot. Oh, yeah, you were a rock star uh, so, back then on Twitter. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing because I, I get, you know, and it's not that I'm so smart that I go, okay, this is going to be the next big thing. I play around with a lot of technologies, and the ones that connect with I connect with personally are the ones that I stay involved with, and it just so happens I thought social media was really going to be a big deal, and it was 10 years ago, uh, just the this uh, spring that I got both on Twitter and Facebook and began using them actively. And man, how time flies. Now, when you dive into something like having a podcast around cryptocurrency, do you have any, do you have any idea where it's going to lead you? Do you have any idea how long you're going to take it or what you want to do with it? Um, a little bit, but you know, I kind of wait to see what the response is also. I'll try some things that get, you know, crickets for response and I'll be like, all right, People don't want to hear about that from me. They're not interested in that. Do I care enough about it to keep doing it? Where uh, crypto was concerned, it was just kind of funny. It happens the way that many things in my life happen. Uh, Travis Wright, who's a marketing technologist and and, uh, does co-host the uh, VB Engage, the Venture Beat podcast with Stuart Rogers, he and I both have developed this concurrent passion for cryptocurrency, and we've been talking about it and messaging back and forth, and it was just about two and a half weeks ago that he said in a message, what's next, the Joel and TW crypto show? And in, with, you know, laughing face, uh, emoji next yeah. to it. And instantly I thought, yes, absolutely let's do that. That sounds like so much fun. Let's call it the Bad Crypto Podcast because we don't know what we're talking about. We're new to this. But there are millions of people out there who have no idea about what this is. And cryptocurrency is going to be big. Blockchain is going to be a part of all of our lives. And the masses haven't arrived yet. So I said, what if we just talk about what we're learning and what we've discovered? So Because we have the ability to make seemingly complex subject matter easy to understand. And that's always been a gift that I've had. And it's why I've been able to teach on so many different marketing subjects, whether it's Google AdSense or Twitter. It's like, make it simple. Mm -hmm. Make it so anybody can understand it. And I think a lot of people are going to want to know, you know, what cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and the like are all about. And so um, now that we're seeing the reaction that we're, you know, getting in in the uh, engagement from people, we're like, okay, this is a this is a potential long term play. And so um, but we're also very excited about the industry itself. So I think as long as that passion is there, that'll carry the content of the show. Well, I, I have so many questions around that, right? My, my first thing, because you know what? I, I, it's funny, about a year or so ago, I, I wanted to figure out what Bitcoin was all about as well. So I did my, you know, I spent a couple of hours on Googling things and reading things. And Did you buy any is the question? I didn't. I didn't. Because, it, you know, between you and me, like, I couldn't figure out, like, okay, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I learned. You tell me if I'm, and I'll have to listen to the podcast, I guess. Uh, it's, I don't know who started it. I couldn't figure that out, right? I don't know where it evolves from. Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> That's right. Actually, now you said that. I do you remember reading the Japanese name? I remember that. And it's some kind of algorithm, and there's a finite amount of this currency. Isn't that right? 
Yeah, that's right. There's 21 million um, Bitcoins that will ever be in existence. You know, look, if we look at fiat currency, the dollar, it continues to be devalued. And what happens is the government, they just print more of it. And they control inflation, deflation. They control the money supply. And Bitcoin is this finite, decentralized currency. No government controls it. No country, mm. no banks. And it really is uh, the, the way for the people to take back the power of uh, the transactions. And it goes so much deeper than just Bitcoin because we start talking about the blockchain. And there's a great video um, on uh, that was a TED Talk on what blockchain means to our future. And you can just go to YouTube and, and just say the future of blockchain and you'll find the video that was uh, provided that's going to – that talks about how in the future all data – Every type of transaction, whether it's, you know, real estate deeds or, or our, our banking or buying a car, everything will be um, trust and verified through the blockchain and through uh, a decentralized method of keeping ledgers. Hmm. And isn't it true that there's uh, like you could mine these coins, like there's algorithms that you could write that actually mine these coins? Is, that they, is true. Yeah. You can set up your computer to uh, to mine um, coins. So what is it that gets people over the fear to help them do what you just did, right? Because you don't know. Look, you didn't know when you invested the time whether it was going to be a winner or not. Now it turns out that it might, it might be a winner, right? How do you how do you take a company to have that kind of mindset to test these sorts of things out? Well, you have to be fearless in business, right? If you're going to go in business and you're afraid of what's going to happen, then maybe you should not be in business for yourself. Maybe you should be employed by somebody else and in a safe, secure job. I recently uh, came out with a book with my co-author, John Rampton, called Self-Employed, 50 Signs That You Might Be an Entrepreneur. And you, know, you might want to test yourself against those 50 things to see if they resonate with you or not. Uh, but fear is uh, is not a component of the entrepreneurial lifestyle. You have to be willing to fail and live with that failure and, and then pick yourself up and go on to the next thing. Uh, let me switch gears with you a little bit. Are you still doing the fun podcast? I am up to episode 33 now. Well, tell me, talk to, talk to me about that. Uh, so fun with Joel Combs, more a passion project. It actually, it's kind of, here's what's funny in two weeks. Um, the Bad Crypto Podcast has had more listens than the Fun Podcast <laughs> has had in 33 episodes. Wow. Uh, but I do the Fun Podcast for uh, for a couple reasons. One, it allows me to connect with uh, friends and business and social and the entrepreneurial world uh, and those that I haven't met yet and find out the lighter side of their story. We talk much less business and I find out what do they do for fun in their lives because I think that um, business is just a microcosm of who we are and ideally we uh, the two can intersect you know if you're doing what you're passionate about what you love then your business can be a lot of fun for you as well and and i see a theme in uh, the most successful people that they love what they do and they have fun doing what they're doing and so i do it for that reason i also do the podcast because i signed a uh, a book deal for the book fun hmm. with a major publishing house. And I was doing uh, recon, little research 
uh, for the book. Now, the manuscript's been turned in, so I don't need any more stories, but I want more stories. I want to keep talking to interesting people and find out what makes them tick and not be just another business show. What's the one story that comes to mind first? I say, hey, tell me the best one that you learned from that show. Oh, gosh, people are all over the map, but uh, Kenyon Salo, who's actually, I'm in Denver, and he's a, a local resident as well. This guy has um, been to uh, hundreds of Denver Broncos uh, games. Well, I don't know about hundreds because they only play, uh, what, eight times a season here. But <laughs> yes. he's he's been for years to just about every De Denver Broncos game, and he's never walked in the front door. Because he's a skydiver. He's the guy that jumps out of the plane and goes into the stadium and lands on the field from above. Uh, and just this thrill seeker. And he loves what he does. Uh, and he's also a, a marketing consultant and a, a, uh, an inspirational, motivational speaker. So he's got, he had some fantastic stories to tell. And I was just so tickled about that line that he's been to as many games as he's been to and never walked through the front door. I love that. That's great. I have to listen to that one. Um, let, let me switch gears again. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I'm, I'm, and I think you belong to that social media mastermind group on Facebook. I'm not sure if you do or not. Yes, but, I do. Okay, so I posted. I was watching. Um, there's this guy. I'm not sure if you've ever seen him or not. He's like this uh, marketing guy out in the. Uh, and he does big on on Facebook advertising. He's like all over my feed. I guess he does all kinds of advertising, right? So I went to watch one of his things one day, and he was drop, dropping the f bomb like every other like every other word. It's every mm -hmm. their sentence had like two or three f bombs, and like it just like turned me off. I was like, oh, what the hell? Enough well, already. Why? You know? Why did it turn you off? I'm curious. You know why? Because for me, it it's it's as bad as ums, you knows. It's like a it's like a ver. It sounds like a verbal tick to me, and I also think that it's intellectually lazy, right? I think that. There's it's used as an adjective, don't, and I'm not like a you know Bible thumping. Don't say curse words. Like I could use it as an adjective as the best of them can, right? But mm -hmm. to use it over and over again, you lose all the value of using it to underscore a point when you really want to make a point, right? Unless you're Gary Vaynerchuk, yes. Well, yeah, but he could pull it off though. I think you know, like yeah, I unless think... you're Gary Vaynerchuk, but yeah. but don't try to be him. Um, yeah. So what's the question? Okay, so I posted on this. I was like, I watched it. I was so like, I was like, Ugh, I'm so sick of this because I see it more and more frequently. So I said, hey, what's up with the coursing of the language in uh, business talk, especially in uh, speaking settings and things like that? I mean, is it just me because I'm a Gen Xer? I mean, any millennials out there think think don't like it? And I thought it was a very benign post, right? Well, lo and behold, it like the debate about this thing went on for like Always. a day and a half. Always. I've seen this happen many times. Okay, go on. Well, and, well, and I was like, first of all, I was very surprised because I thought it was a very innocuous thing. But then as it went on, like people started getting really angry with one another and like really like mm -hmm. nasty. It like turned into like a political thing without the politics. So my, my thought was this. I, I was telling my wife about it. I was like, people would never, that would never happen if you were like in a room full of people, you know? It, it would just wouldn't happen. You'd have a friendly discussion. People would be laughing. People would like give you their takes, but you wouldn't have people like dropping the f bomb left and right just to prove a point. Like yeah, it just was the craziest thing. So my question is, like, is this? Are we like destined to have this this temperature raising excuse for personal interaction that passes itself off as real interaction for the rest of our lives? You know, because of the media that we're in. Um, yes and no. I think that anytime people feel safer in saying what they think, um, and they do so from behind their devices, then, um, then, then they're less self-controlled. The, the real issue we have is a self-control issue. 
it's uh, it's a boundary issue and people feel like uh, just because they can say something they should and we we like to believe that what we say matters and it really it just becomes this big noise box now i agree with you on um, on cursing professionally think unless you're gary vaynerchuk i even when tony robbins does it i feel like he lowers himself i feel like it just doesn't go with with who he is but apparently it's who he is i have no problem with somebody dropping the occasional f-bomb in context like say it when it's going to make an impact um you know gary's one of the few that can say it again and again and and there be more impact than not um and but i don't applaud him for that i applaud him for uh, the human being that he is mm. right that's i'm impressed by character i don't care how much money you have i don't care how much power you have i don't care how famous you are that means nothing to me if you are not a person of character then you don't get my respect though none of those things earn my respect and somebody who first of all i think that it's incredibly disrespectful of your audience as a speaker to casually curse from the stage um, because there are people who are offended by it. And isn't your message more important yeah. than whether or not you gauge how you use your tongue? I, I just I feel like it's disrespectful and it um, demeans your own message uh, when you do that. And you're also right that um, just using it to use it, um, if everything's effing this or effing that then nothing is yeah 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 I, well again i was i was really stunned by it because i had i and it's funny because somebody said what you said oh this happens all the time when this topic comes up it's very lazy yeah it is lazy right it's like intellectually lazy right i mean and especially if anyway use um, words there's yeah. a whole di here let me get you a dictionary <laughs> and let me find you an adjective that more accurately conveys your emotion because effing um, could be anywhere from incredibly awesome to disastrous, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. anywhere. It's anywhere on the spectrum. Hey, want to buy an adjective? I've got a bunch of them for you that would probably be more accurately representative of the emotion that you're feeling here. Yeah. Well, and that leads me to my next question here. Do you think that – because here's where I'm at with it, right? I believe – and I, I talk to my clients about this all the time – is that you've got a bigger – if you're in communications, right, the way media flows, especially if you get very good at it, you, it that comes with a big responsibility, not to be like, you know, all Spider-Man-ish here, right? But with great power comes great responsibility. I feel like if you if you elevate your level of communication to a point where you have a larger audience, that comes with a huge level of responsibility. So instead of diving into these silly debates, whether it be politics or language or whatever, like try to try to raise it a little bit. Try to raise the discourse, the discussion. I mean, do you feel like we have a responsibility to communicate more responsibly? Um, I don't know responsibility. I don't know that there's, you know, somebody keeping score. Um, and I don't like to should on anybody. You should say this. You shouldn't do that. Here's how you should live. I think it's a personal choice. And I think as a result of our choices, there are consequences. So if you don't care that you've offended, you know, half your audience, then you're going to continue behaving as you behave. If you don't care that um, you're engaging people in negative talk 
on your Facebook page, then okay, uh, who am I to judge you? I wouldn't do that personally, but this is the consequence that a lot of people are going to think, wow, this person is really negative or this person is really mean. You might not care. You might be one of those persons that don't give up, right? <laughs> and, and that's fine. That's you. So, okay, just, just do you. For me personally, there's things that matter and, and people matter and relationships matter and being a positive force uh, in this world. You know, there's a lot of it, life is hard. There's a lot of difficulties out there that people deal with on a daily basis, things that we have no idea mm -hmm. yeah. and everybody is going through their own struggles. And what do I want to be? Do I want to be somebody who is negative and beating down people and, and spreading, you know, vomiting all over social media? Or do I want to be somebody that can be that, that little bit of encouragement? that I don't know who needed that bit of encouragement, but I get messages from people that, you know, your video was just what I needed to see, or that post was exactly the message. I, I would much rather hear that to know that, okay, um, I might not be changing the world, but I've touched somebody today, and and that's enough. Yeah, that's good, Joel. I think I'm going to wrap it up right there. I, look, I, this has been... I, First of all, thank you very much. I know you're, you're a busy guy. I appreciate you giving me the time. And more importantly, I'm just glad that we connected. I'm glad to have been able to, to chat you up for about a half an hour or so here. Well, it's my pleasure. Is there anything you want to promote or any, anything you want people to go to and check out? Uh, well, we already kind of talked about, you know, both of my podcasts and, um, you know, certainly can, uh, if there's a, uh, a free um, uh, ebook I've got called the Live Video Playbook at lvplaybook.com. It's a 19-page beautiful PDF with an eight-step guide for uh, for mastering live video. All right, Joel. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye.